your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end emotion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And for Ben tonight, Josh Oakman. Ben has started his week away with his wife and uh, hopefully soon to be child. I believe they're on their way to the hospital at some point in time tonight. We wish uh, good luck to the McLaughlin. We'll keep you posted throughout the week. Josh going to sit in the big chair tonight for Ben. We're going to have some fun over the next couple of hours. The um, Coming up here in a few minutes, by the way, we'll have the Big Ten Blitz. We started this last week because we generally get into the Blitz uh, right at the end of spring ball or during spring ball, just to kind of give everybody an update on how the league teams look during spring practice. Well, obviously, those got all set to the side because of COVID-19. So we're kind of picking this up in June. Last week, we started with a couple of schools. We're going to zip around tonight to Michigan State, uh, Rutgers, and Northwestern and see what's what's happening or about to happen at those schools as we get ready for what we hope is a, co- a fall of college football. So looking forward to jumping into those three schools and hearing what's happening at those three institutions. Two of the three brand-new head football coaches, Mel Tucker at Michigan State, taking over for the longtime tenure of Mark D'Antonio, and then Greg Schiano back at Rutgers. So I can't wait to hear what what's happening in those two spots. Nebraska doesn't play the Spartans, but they do play Rutgers, or scheduled to play, I guess I should say, scheduled to play Rutgers on the road. Uh, and obviously you have the yearly matchup with Northwestern. So we'll get those updates coming up on later on in the hour. Josh, uh, this would be a week where we would be just a couple days away from the start of the College World Series, which is such a fun time for all of us who love sports, baseball, college baseball in this area. I usually get up to a game or two every year for the CWS. and and But we knew, we knew early on, we knew back in March this thing wasn't going to happen. <laughs> they canceled this thing early. But it just seems odd that this is the week, and yet nothing going to be going on at TD Ameritrade for the next 10 days. Well, and even the weather tonight, Greg, is it kind of you have weather nights like this all the time in Omaha for the CWS with games being canceled. But, yeah, it's, it is weird. I, I guess I am a little bit grateful that they ended up calling it early because if it hadn't ended up happening and we had gotten closer to this time and we were still thinking that maybe there would be a end of the college baseball season and still college world series and then it didn't end up happening that would have been tough to deal with so at least we kind of knew in advance that it wasn't going to happen but yeah it's definitely a weird feeling knowing that this is the week that it should be going on up in omaha all the festivities around it and especially this year with the mlb draft that was supposed to take place there this year and how fun that was going to be in addition to all the other things that usually go on so yeah it's disappointing kind of sad to think about that there's not a college world series going to happen this year yeah, the first time ever they were going to move the draft to Omaha and make it kind of a part of this week, and then you would have had eight teams here with a couple of guys who probably were going to get drafted pretty high that would be in town that could actually be there, be on stage, be interviewed, get all the pomp and circumstance that the NBA top picks, the NFL top picks get at their draft, but obviously that didn't happen. That draft is going on tomorrow, and I, I <laughs> it's weird because I haven't really heard much about Major League Baseball draft they are saying Spencer Torkelson, a guy that the Huskers have seen the last two years, the terrific first baseman from Arizona State, looks like he will be the number one pick tomorrow by the Detroit Tigers. 
But this has been quiet, hasn't it? About this, this has kind of snuck up on us a little bit. It sure has. I think it was maybe in early May that they told us that the draft, they confirmed that the draft is only going to be five rounds. And since then, I've heard very little. I've, you know, I've watched MLB Network here and there just because I like to watch some old games. And there's the other day I was watching, it's probably on Saturday or Sunday sometime this weekend, that I was watching one of those old games. And when it ended, they had an MLB draft preview show. So I happened to see that. But outside of that, I haven't seen hardly anything on social media about it i haven't heard much about who that you know the top five guys are going to be that are going to be picked things like that so it it is a weird feeling that the draft is starting tomorrow i if you hadn't said anything tonight i might have missed it going into tomorrow i guess i kind of knew that it was coming up but man it it really snuck up on me as well six o'clock tomorrow night so 24 hours from now is round one. That's all they'll do. I think they do the compensatory picks too. They made made the, so there's more than just thirty some picks. They get up to forty or fifty picks tomorrow, and then the other rounds two three two three through five will take place the next day. MLB will have coverage uh, of both days. ESPN will have coverage of both days. So you're gonna have it on two different networks going on, and, and five rounds. Usually it's forty, and so. <laughs> It's five because baseball is trying to save money. They realize that if there's in, there's probably not going to be any major minor league baseball this summer at all. So they're like, well, why do we want to pay a bunch of guys to sit around and not play? Uh, so we're going to shorten it to five, which is going to backlog college baseball. I mean, a lot of kids who would normally come out aren't going to come out now. Now, they could still sign free agent deals with teams. They don't have to necessarily be drafted. They could be somebody could sign them and they can go, yeah, I'm kind of done with college. I'm going to go do that. That could happen. But it's going to really add to a pile, a big pile of talent in college baseball for next year. Uh, but only five rounds. I do think there's a conscious effort in Major League Baseball to start to shrink their minor league systems. I think they feel like it's not worth the expense anymore. It's a cost-cutting measure, even though it, to me it looks like there's plenty of money to go around, although you, you wouldn't understand that by the battle the players and the <laughs> and the owners are going through right now just to try to get a season underway. Yeah, it, it's interesting too, Gary. You, when you reminded me earlier today that the draft is tomorrow, I went in and did some reading up on you know some of the different parts of this and why they went down to five rounds and apparently this is something that the owners have wanted to do for a long time. They've wanted to cut down minor league teams. They've wanted to shorten the draft, et cetera, et cetera. And front office people are the ones that have pushed back for so long. They don't want to because they feel like having more you know, drafts and more picks in the draft is a way for them to cut costs in the long run. It, it might not look like it up front, but they can they have a better selection of who they want to take and they can you know spread the money around the way that they want to do it and manage their money in a better way but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting interesting thing to go from 40 all the way down to five like it usually the draft goes on for you know three days and it you know lasts a long time and you're getting all these different picks of you know you're looking for all the huskers to see and husker signees and seeing if they're going to get picked and which round they're going to go in and you're going all the way down to you know into the 30s and to round 40 which it's just a lot of picks but i think you're right though the point of how this is going to affect things going forward. I I did read that there's going to be uh, they can 
teams can still pick or sign undrafted players for a certain amount if they want to. But I still think that it's going to significantly impact minor league systems going forward. I just I just think it has to. Like, there's there's no way that having just five rounds, even if teams are trying to supplement that going forward. And I think this is one step for the owners to push for going forward of, you know, minimizing how many teams there are in the minor league systems. How about this? Bonuses for undrafted free agent for this year, 20K. So if you're like a college junior and you're like, eh, would you really skip your last year for 20,000? Probably not. I mean, that's just, no. you, you know, I, Nebraska in the past has lost Jake Myers a year early. He, he signed as a junior. Um, Jesse Wilkening did it recently. Scott Schreiber yep. did it. So there's no Scott. Scott came back. Jesse and, and right. uh, Jake are the two that come to mind, and, and they got fairly sizable bonus. I know it was six, at least six figure bonuses that they got, which that's worth it. Take that, save as much as you can, go live on a shoestring budget for a couple of years, and and then go back on with your life if you don't make it in Major League Baseball or get get your way up the the ladder a little bit. But the the uh, Tigers have the number one pick. I mentioned that it looks like Spencer Torkelson, the terrific first baseman from Arizona State, who Nebraska has played each of the last two years. Looks like he'll be the number one guy taken. The Orioles have the number two pick. Uh, the Miami Marlins have the third pick. The Royals have the fourth pick uh, in the draft. So the Royals, who had the second overall pick a year ago, have the fourth pick this year. And then it goes uh, Blue Jays, Mariners, Pirates, Padres, Rockies, and Angels to round out the top ten of the draft. Um, and one of the draft boards I'm looking at, Max Meyer, the right-handed pitcher from the Minnesota Golden Gopher program, is a top ten pick, uh, at least on the board that I'm looking at, going to the Angels. So there's a guy that would at least get out of the Big Ten because he would have another year of eligibility back, but he's been a tremendous pitcher. So 24 hours from now, believe it or not, there is a Major League Baseball draft. And think about the buildup for the NFL draft, Josh. We talked about it for weeks. And, and it's, hey, it's a bigger deal because obviously those kids getting drafted in the NFL – usually make an immediate impact where a lot of times in the baseball draft it's two three years before somebody makes a big dent at the big league level yeah that's ob- yeah that's the biggest difference i think is that the immediate impact that guys can make in the nfl and in the nba for that matter compared to major league baseball it's very rare for somebody to get called up to the big leagues and actually be an impact player within the first couple of years so yeah that's that's a big deal but i it's funny because I feel like the you know you said that the first couple or the first five rounds or all five rounds are going to be on ESPN as well. That's something that normally doesn't necessarily happen. I feel like it's usually right. only on on MLB Network. So that they're kind of trying to take advantage, and I'm sh- sure that they think that maybe they can get a little bit more uh, coverage and interest from people watching just because there's not any other sports going on. So. I still don't think that it's going to be anywhere near what the NFL draft is or even what the NBA draft is. I think that that even gets quite a bit more interest from fans and a lot more viewership than what MLB does. But it probably will be up a little bit, I would imagine. And I, I'll i probably be tuning in and watching it tomorrow night to see what goes on because there's really nothing else, anything else to watch on TV. 
Well, right there, two of the top ten picks look like guys that Nebraska's played recently, and Torkelson from Arizona yep. State and Meyer from Minnesota. So there'll be some names, at least if you follow college baseball, that you will certainly recognize. We had Nick Hanley on a few weeks ago. Nick does baseball with Ben and I here on the network. He also has an afternoon show on our Omaha affiliate. And we're talking about how the city of Omaha obviously is going to feel the, the loss of not having the CWS there for a couple of weeks with all the hotels and all the out-of-town mm-hmm. visitors going to restaurants. And then you back it up to where they didn't get the NCAA first and second round tournament in March in the basketball. I mean, those are two big swings. And then they don't have the swim trials for Team USA, although they are saying they're going to come back next June uh, for the Olympics in Tokyo now in 2021. But, man, that just, that's been tough on that community to lose a couple of big events and bring a lot of people into town. I don't know that the draft would have brought a lot of people. They would have had some hotel rooms, obviously, with people coming in for the draft for a couple of nights. But, um, yeah, it's just been... Uh, the COVID has certainly hit the, the town of Omaha yeah. pretty hard in, in those things. Yeah, I didn't have you there for a second, but now I've got you. Uh, let, let's talk about the schedule for the Cats. Are they coming back on campus slowly? I know you're ending a quarter about right now. What's, what is the, the status of the football team? Um, well, there's, there's nobody on campus right now. Nothing's open or anything like that. I think uh, we're going to see guys maybe trickle in individually over the next couple of weeks. But I think they're pointing hopefully to July to get things uh, you know, back to not normal, but uh, close to normal and start doing some things as a team a little bit. Let's talk the quarterback position. I think that's maybe been the biggest news in the last couple of months, and that's the, the the senior transfer of Peyton Ramsey. Is it his job in your eyes, or is I mean, is what is the competition going to be like for him as he walks into the program? Well, I think uh, you know everybody's going to be in the competition. They got a big quarterback room. Uh, they got a lot of guys that played last year, but you saw how they did last year. I mean, they need a quarterback badly. I think Peyton Ramsey. I wouldn't say the job is his. He still has to earn it, but he is the heavy favorite. I ex- fully expect him to, uh, you know, be trotting out with the first team offense in the opener. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. That's a guy that's thrown for you know 6,500 yards. And, 42 touchdowns in his career and uh you know he's a proven commodity and they really need an upgrade at the quarterback position it killed him last season so getting him was a a huge huge boom for the cats i would say that's the biggest story i may have misspoke maybe the bigger story is new oc right i mean mick mccall's out let's talk about the new philosophy on the offensive side of the ball for the cats as you view it coming up here in the fall yeah, it's uh, it's a new era for Northwestern. You know, Mick McCall had been the offensive coordinator for 12 years, and that was kind of the identity of the team uh, with the spread attack. And with Bajakian, you know, they, he doesn't really have a system or anything like that. He's got more of a philosophy that, you know, you get the ball to your playmaker's hands. And he's really had a, uh, in his past, he's done a lot of different things. When he was at Cincinnati, he had Travis Kelsey. They really used the tight ends a lot. You look at Boston College, you know, last year they were a power-running team with A.J. Dillon. Uh, also utilized the tight ends. I think that's something that uh, we're going to see a lot of maybe two tight end sets this year. But really looking forward to an upgrade of the offense. The offense really struggled last year. They, they were 127th in the country in passing, and I think they were dead last in passing efficiency. You know, 117 yards a game, it's awfully tough to win that way. You know, they need to really uh, upgrade things on the offensive side of the ball, and I think it starts with Ramsey at quarterback. 
Defensively, Cat's always solid. Fitch usually takes care of that side of the ball, or at least has a big hand in it with Coach Hankowitz on that side of the ball. And usually, Louie, with Pat Fitzgerald, after a bad year, they usually bounce back in a big way. Do you get the sense that th- this team is capable of, of putting together a pretty solid fall? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at – they've got like 18 returning starters. That defense you talk about, I think they have eight seniors in the starting lineup. You know, Patty Fisher, who's been the leader of that defense for the last three years, he's back. They've got a lot of experience across the board. You know, the defense was top 25 last year. Um, and the offense was, you know, 126th in points or something like that. It looks like all their stats were between 125 and 130 in the country. Um, so if they can get better quarterback play, you know, they got four starters returning on the offensive line. Isaiah Bowser, the running back, is going to return from injury. I think the pieces are there. I, I think uh, even the schedule is pretty favorable. I think that they can, you know, if, if Ramsey is the quarterback that he's been the last few years, I think, you know, they'll be in good shape. If, if he's average, I think they can get back to a bowl game. And I think that if he has an exceptional year, if, if he plays very well, I think that they could, uh, you know, they could win eight games or nine games or something like that and make some noise in the West. Um, that's what, you know, you ask Pat Fitzgerald, that's what he believes. They're, they're really looking forward to getting that, uh, you know, bitter taste out of their mouth last season. Oh, I bet they are. Louis Vicar of the Wildcat Report. Louis, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. The Big Ten Blitz. Michigan State. Let's talk about the Spartans and Hondo Carpenter of Spartan Nation joins us now. Hondo, give me the update. Is the team assembling back on campus? What's kind of their timeline as they try to put this thing back together after this virus? Yeah, they're going to be back on the 14th, and uh, guys are already back and getting back, but they're going to start organizational stuff, as you guys all know. They're excited to be back. Think about this. You know, Louis Vicaire talked about how bad the Northwestern offense is, but it with Michigan State is so bad, it makes them look like a beauty queen. <laughs> Mel, Mel Tucker gets hired. I reported last June that I was hearing Mark D'Antonio was going to retire after the second signing day to try to force Michigan State to hire Mike Tressel. Um, then when he realized that was not going to happen and Michigan State was ready to move, he just walked a couple days before. Um, but then all of a sudden with COVID, not only do you have a new staff, new systems, new scheme, no spring. It all came before spring practice hit. So they got no spring, nothing, and a new coaching staff, new scheme, and everything else. But there is one thing that wasn't there last year, and it's optimism. It's a new day of Spartan football. The page has turned. Mark D'Antonio needed to go. It was best for Michigan State that he did. And so this is going to be a year where if they get to a bowl game, it will be a miracle. And it'll be probably one of the best coaching jobs since Michigan State went to the playoff if they do. Hondo, what do you think of his staff? Well, first of all, they went out and got a guy that I think should have been a head coach in Scotty Hazelton. They stole him from Kansas State. This is a guy with a huge track record of success. Um, I think he is an, the best defensive coordinator Michigan State's had since Pat Narduzzi. That was a game-changer winner. I don't expect him to be in Michigan State long. With what he does, he'll get a head coaching job soon. He was great. There isn't one addition on this staff that I don't like. I really admire the way they've done it. I like the way Mel Tucker put it together. He kept the coaches that were exceptionally well. 
which means nobody on offense. They were all gone. Um, and I think that was what needed to happen. There needed to be a total house cleaning on offense, and that happened. And that was a good thing. And uh, so I like the staff that they have. You know, Michigan State now has a top 10 in the country staff paid-wise. Uh, Michigan State stepped up to the pump now, and they paid Mel Tucker big money, and they paid the staff among the top 10 as well. And those are the expectations that Mel uh, Tucker inherits. Nick Saban once said, you know, with the, with the money comes the expectations. I mean, Tom Izzo told that to Nick Saban, and I agree with Tom. And uh, now there are big expectations. People will give him a mulligan on this year. And this is a year to invest. I mean, I'm going to be really honest. There were people they looked at for this job who normally would have been interested. But recruiting had been so terrible under Mark D'Antonio. They, one guy even said to me, he goes, I don't know that there's more than five players on that roster I would have recruited. So, you know, there's going to be an uphill battle. But with money comes expectations. And Mel's got them. And he's got the staff to win. Honda, what kind of offense do you envision them running? Well, first of all, uh, Nebraska fans will love it. They're going to do a lot of multiple tight ends. It's going to, you know, they want to run the ball, but they also want to pass as well. They're going to be more balanced, but they're going to really utilize the tight end. In fact, Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, calls the tight end the most important position on their team. Uh, There was one point this summer where they gave out 49 offers in a week, and I believe some were like 18 or 19 of them were to tight ends. So they know they need tight ends. They're trying to accumulate tight ends as fast as they can. They got to have them because this offense is predicated on tight ends. Hondo Carpenter, Spartan Nation. Great stuff as always. Hondo, be safe, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the fall. Thank you, buddy. Can't wait. Rutgers. Here to talk about the Scarlet Knights, James Cratch from NJ.com. And, James, let's just start with, uh, is the team getting close to getting back together for voluntary workouts? What What is the update on campus? Yeah, so they're moving closer. Um, I, I expect in the next couple of days, Rutgers is probably going to come out like a lot of schools have. I know, obviously, the Kornowskis are back and kind of announced this is their plan. This is when they intend to return. Um, it's, it's complicated in New Jersey, obviously, because – you know, the state's been hit so hard by the by the virus, and obviously it's so close to New York City. The governor's office has said that on June 22nd, um, college sports activities can resume in the state. That's also the day that Rutgers' second summer course in the, uh, session begins. So I think Rutgers is targeting that June 22nd date as the day that maybe they would be able to get everyone back to campus and start workouts. It's not exactly set in stone, but I do think we're going to know one way or the other what the plan is in the next couple of days. But they are working on a framework, and they do say it's imminent. They just don't know exactly when yet. Well, the Greg Schiano era part two is underway. How much energy can you sense among the, the players on campus with the fan base? How much can you sense since his hiring? Oh, there's a tremendous amount of energy. Um, you know, this is a, a, a program that had a really difficult fall. It's the hundred, it was the 150th anniversary of college football. Rutgers played in and won the first game. And it was just so difficult, obviously, firing Chris Ash four games into the season. It, it was a long haul, and I think there's a lot of, obviously, as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of kind of controversy about Greg Schiano's return, the whole coaching search process. But once they finally got the deal done the second time after talks had broken down initially, uh, it's been completely different, you know, just a complete change in direction of the program. The recruiting has been much improved. Um, and, and what's incredible is 
you know, if there wasn't this pandemic, I think spring practice would have been big. I think you would have seen the biggest crowd at the spring game in years. You know, I always tell people, you know, Greg Schiano, I know people can kind of debate, you know, his merits as a coach and his record. At the very least, he is the guy who gave Rutgers modern football dignity and got them in a position where they could be invited to join the Big Ten Conference. And now I think there's just a sense that he's, he's the one guy that can turn this around, and he's the guy who's coming home to try to finish what he started the first time. James, the, the Rutgers program has gotten some play in our area in the last month with the with the transfer of Noah Vedrill from the Nebraska program to the Rutgers program. Give me a snapshot of that position at quarterback, and where does Vedrill fit into that in your eyes? Yeah, it's a, it's a wide-open position. Obviously, last year, Art Sikowski um, was, was started for Rutgers as a true freshman. He redshirted after only appearing in three games. He struggled mightily as a freshman. He was improved last year before he kind of redshirted due to the uncertainty with the coaching situation. Johnny Langan's a guy who started, I believe, eight games for Rutgers last year. And he's a guy who, you know, he does have the greatest arm. He is a threat to throw. I wouldn't say he's necessarily a prototypical Big Ten quarterback, but he was the best Rutgers had given their situation. They also had the grad transfer McLean Carter have to medically retire due to a concussion. So I think at this point, Vedral coming in, I would say that he's the early favorite to start at quarterback, just given his experience in the Big Ten. I would put it at 51-49, Vedral over Sikowski. But I think it's going to be a training camp competition. You know, with this new coaching staff, neither guy has a practice for this coaching staff, and there's really no holdover. It's Nunzio Campanelli, who was interim last year. He's the only holdover, and he's back to being a tight ends coach after being the interim head coach and offensive coordinator last year. I, I think it's a pretty even thing. I think the biggest thing that the edge that Vedral has is, one, he kind of cancels out Johnny Langan because he, too, is a threat with his legs, and he has a better arm. But, two, he's a guy who has run – you know, that sort of no-huddle, hurry-up offense that Rutgers wants to run. He's run it at UCF. He's run it at Nebraska. He has experience. And I just look at this team. Art Sikowski is a better prototypical drop-back passer than Vedril is. But I think given the personnel Rutgers has, they're going to be more of a run-first offense in 2020. And I think that kind of leans toward Vedril being the starter. But I do think it's wide open. And, and you know, Vedril could lose out to Sikowski. Sikowski could... You know, also lose out to Vedral. But I think the fact that Vedral has a two years of eligibility, so they're not just, they're building for, this is a team that's probably not going to be ready to contend for a ball for 2021. They're building toward that still if Vedral's a starter. And I just think that he might fit the scheme and the personnel better. James Cratch of NJ.com with us. James, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Thank you. We think him up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Top 10 Tuesdays brought to you by Union Bank and Trust at Union Bank and Trust. All your banking needs are taken care of by real people who really care. So stop by and you'll see that you belong here. Union Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Top 10 ways in which Ben's life is going to change after tomorrow or Thursday or whenever. Josh, you are fully equipped to answer this because you just have gone through this. Austin probably needed some help. 
Uh, I needed plenty of help. I did outsource <laughs> this list, or at least 80, 85% of it, uh, being the only non-father on the air here tonight. So big shouts to my dad for helping me you know, through with his list, what his top 10 would be. I did have a couple of my own in there based on my own experiences. And obviously I don't know, you know, what it's like to, to be a father. I don't know what life is like without a father, but based on what my dad has said in my 21 years and change here on this planet, I, I felt like I was able to add a couple of my own. Yeah, I think this is good, Greg, to have different levels of yeah. experience here because I, you know, I've just hit the tip of the iceberg four months into our first child, but uh, you, you've obviously gone through, you know, three of your own, and you you have you have quite a bit of experience on, on your hands. So you you probably have the most uh, reputation, at least best reputation, coming into this list. It's been a while though, too, for me. So, all right, <laughs> since it was this was my idea, I'll I'll lead us off tonight. Uh, my number ten, uh, Ben will have to get used to not having clean shirts because with baby. <laughs> You get spit up a lot on your shoulders, and so you know you walk somewhere, and everybody goes, "What's on your shoulder?" Oh yeah, that's 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 spit up right there. So you'll have to get used to having that on his shoulder everywhere he walks. That's my number ten, Josh. That that is one hundred percent accurate. I I can confirm. My number ten is he'll have to get used to taking more pictures and videos than he ever has before. He better clear out room on his phone and find uh, different ways to store those pictures and videos because there's a lot coming. I can say right now that yep. I've taken more pictures and videos in the last four months than I have in the last four <laughs> years. So Better, be better that. buy that extra storage space, right? Yes, exactly. Speaking of buying extra storage space, I have food at my number 10 here. Ben's got to get ready for you know, a lot of baby food now and a lot of chicken nuggets and hot dogs in a couple of years. Add vegetables and fruits back to the menu and introduce <laughs> the kids to the caffeine of choice slowly. Yeah, because Ben's pretty caffeinated kind of guy. So, yeah, you're, you're right on. That's good. All right, my number nine, uh, Ben will forever um, – th- this, this is going to irritate the heck out of him, and that is wrestling with car seats. I mean, I oh. never got used to trying oh. to fight those things in. When you you know you take the baby somewhere, or grandpa and grandma come over and want to take the baby, and you got to move the car seat into their car. Oh my gosh, I still have nightmares about that. Well, and they probably made it a lot easier. I still, yeah, that. I feel like I have a lot more patience than Ben, and I still am, oh, yeah, car seats, not fun. But I can only imagine Ben. He, he talked about some of the different things that he's had to put together over the past few months, and he did not handle those very well either. So, yeah, that is. Yeah, he said he almost destroyed the pack and play, I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that just put an interesting image in my mind of him trying to wrestle a car seat. Uh, all right, my number nine is this This one I got. Uh, I had a few things that I got some input from my wife on, and this is one of them. They'll take out the trash way more often when, when you have a baby. But it is yeah. amazing how much those little diapers can fill up the trash so fast. Like, we probably you know, took out the trash maybe once or twice a week. And now it's almost every day that we're, we're taking yeah. out the trash with those diapers in them. For a little human being. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Number nine for me is maybe a little low on the list, um, but I have, I have a sleep schedule here. Sleep schedule is going to change. Obviously, you know, Ben's been around the block where he's called games early in the morning. He's called games late at night. So that's already lent itself to a unique sleep schedule. But I've heard that having a kid makes that even crazier because you can at least somewhat plan ahead for games. You can plan ahead, you know, for early starts in late nights and adjust based on that. But with a kid, you know, they're, they're a little human. You can't plan on what a little human is going to do. So it's so unpredictable and that I think is going to be a change. 
You you have that a little low, Austin. I just foreshadow <laughs> foreshadow that. All right, my number eight, and it kind of goes a little bit along with what Josh just had, but it's packing for leaving the house. I mean, it's unbelievable when you take a baby somewhere, whether you're going cross town, if you're going to try to run an errand somewhere, all the things you got to pack into a bag. Make sure you don't forget something: a binky, a bottle. whatever extra diapers just getting packed to leave the house is a huge chore this not only this hey i'll be back in five minutes and you race to your car and off you go get something those days are over ben mclaughlin Mm -hmm. they are they are over i have one very similar to that later on on my list but my number eight we all know Ben, and we all know the the kinds of words that he chooses to use. I think he's going to have to learn how to watch his language going forward. And, and maybe he won't. Maybe he'll decide that he doesn't care. But that's that's just a suggestion on on my end, at least. Clean it up a little bit when, when he's around his kid. So, I, And I think that he does a good job of that. He knows when he's in certain situations, that, and he can do that. Obviously, he does it on the air every night. But he might have to just watch the words that he uses. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I ain't touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number eight for me. This is my, my first entry that's officially from my dad. He, he, has, he says gratitude is a big one, that you'll become more thankful, you know, for the kids, for the yeah. wife, for the milestone moments and the small moments. It just be thankful for, you know, what you have, even more appreciative of the little gifts and the, the big moments away as well. So the little things, the big things, my dad thinks gratitude will be a little bit of a change. That's very good. That's a wise man making that comment there, Austin. All right, up to number sevens now. My seven, and Josh will certainly, I think, agree with this. Prepare yourself for arguments with your spouse on whose turn it is. (laughs) In the middle of the night, you're like, it's your turn. No, I got the last one. You got this one. (laughs) They're coming. That, that is 100% accurate. That is one that I probably should have had on my list. We actually were talking about that. What are some of the ones that we, you know, that involve both of us? But that is a good one. That is one that I yep. forgot to put on my list. Uh, my number seven, I have, he'll have to learn how to be a more careful driver. And I, I feel like I'm kind of taking shots at Ben. Yeah. This one, I, I, I can look at myself here too. Like whenever you enter a car with your baby, like you're so much more on alert. You don't just oh, we're just going somewhere, you know, you kind of go into, you know, whatever. But you're 100% are thinking about every single move that you're making when you have a baby in the car. We did. Well, I remember distinctly, Emily's our oldest, and so we are leaving the hospital. We get in the car, and I'm starting the car up, and I look at Amy, and I go, oh, do, are we, are, can we do this? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, now we're on our own. We're leaving the hospital. Right. We're on our own now. It, there's I a remember surreal that, moment. Yeah. It is because you're. Yeah, I remember that exact moment too of when we drove away from the hospital. I'm like driving five miles per hour. I'm like, okay, I need to speed up a little bit here, but I think he's safe. He's more safe in the car seat than I am in the front seat. So yeah. What's the over under on Ben's baby on board sticker? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) few days. I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know. I'm not sure he'll cross that that threshold. Maybe he will. (laughs) Yeah. All right, number seven for me. Another. Uh, entry from my father how you feel emotions my dad said you're as happiest as your happy or happiest kid and as sad as your sad kid now not that you're heartless before you become a dad but you really learn to understand empathy you want to take all the bad feelings away and help your kid live in the good feelings any every know as much as they can as long as they possibly can yep yep all right up to number six this one's gonna be hard for ben watching movies and shows uninterrupted 
I mean, that ben, ben is a big guy that will you know, plop down, open up his laptop, watch a Netflix show or something. Uh, th- to get through even a 30-minute show may be hard to do from now on for Ben. That's going to be a big adjustment. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, my number six, I have, this is kind of like a two-way thing. So in some ways, things won't gross him out as much. Like there are things that you would have thought about that are really gross that won't be as gross. But then you also at the same time care a lot more about cleanliness, picking things up, making sure your hands are washed, although hopefully he's been doing that the last couple months anyway. But, yeah, there, there's it kind of goes both ways. It's a weird dynamic going back and mm-hmm. forth with those two things. But I, I have that at my number six. Very good. My dad agrees with the iron stomach. It's up at number six for me and him as well. Hey, there you well, go. How about that? Great minds sink alike. Ben has been known to uh, stay up late at night and play video games, Fortnite, get on a chat with somebody, friend, brother-in-law, those type of things. Those days are probably going to be put on a hiatus for a while. So his late-night gaming probably is going to be interrupted uh, with this new arrival. Josh yes, is agreeing. Very true. Very true. Uh, my number five, I, he's going to start acting and saying things that his parents did when he was growing up. You find your, It hasn't really hit me too much yet, but there are a few things that I've done and said that I'm like, yeah, that's something that my mom or dad would have done. Like that, I'm reminding myself of that. And I know that my wife, Victoria, has, has definitely done this, had that same thought a few times as well. Have you guys seen that fantastic progressive commercial about that? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's a great. You're, out to, you're out to That's dinner good. with your parents. The, the, yep, I love the one exactly. where the gal they're, they're sitting in a restaurant and the waitress comes up and the gal goes, "So are you in school? Yeah, I've got an art degree. Now, what are you going to do with an art degree? Or can you make money with that? <laughs> yeah, the fourth yeah, row pillows, the speakerphone in the yeah the department yeah. store. All right, number five for me. This one I think is going to be tough for Ben. My dad had a little bit of a reckoning with this one as well. But the ability to lose. You know, you're never going to enjoy losing, my dad said. But you'll find it slightly more tolerable to lose to your kid, you know, in a pickup game or a board game or whatever competition you can think of than it would be at, you know, pick up basketball on a Saturday to some random Jimmy or Joe on the street on a Sporkle quiz that did it faster to you. So (laughs) losing doesn't get easy. It gets easier. Very good. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. We're into the top four. Number four for me, diaper duty. And there are some nasty ones that are going to be, you're going, how can that little human being produce that? <laughs> and you're going to, that will certainly change Ben's life, changing those dirty diapers and getting them out to the trash. Yep, no doubt. All right, my number four, and actually my top four kind of have a theme and they kind of go along with some of the things we've already been talking about and the uh, aspect of time. So my number four is, He'll start appreciating some small moment, or the small moments when he's alone a lot more. Even if it's just for one or two minutes when he goes and does something in another room and can sit by himself, he's going to appreciate those so so much more. Just and it's not like you don't want to be around your wife and your baby, but it's it's really nice sometimes to have some alone time. Even just like the drive to work, sometimes oh, you just t- like, yep. "Whoo! I just need my own thoughts and my own car, not hearing a baby or whatever." worried about trying to listen for a baby all those things Mm -hmm, exactly number four for me is a little bit broad um this this is back to me not as much my dad here but i have skill acquisition here at number four you know you hear about dad strength dad reflexes and dad wisdom i can throw dad jokes in on that list as well you know just get those (laughs) by default little kid pops out and boom you have those skills you learn how to rock new balances and cargo shorts (laughs) the one thing ben i think has on lock already those grilling so he's good to go on that front 
Very good. Yeah, this is our top ten list of things that, that will change Ben McLaughlin's life with the arrival of his first child, which is going to happen in the next 24 hours, at least we hope for them. We're up to number three. Number three for me, things are going to change forever, date nights. Those are going to look a lot different now for the McLaughlins once one arrives. Yes, no doubt about that. My number three, Greg, you had this one. You, you kind of almost had this one in a couple different categories, but just generally media consumption will change for Ben, whether it's uh, – watching tv shows reading or listening to things both in how much he's able to consume at once and when it's happening but also the you know the i don't know what the what it is that he's actually watching and reading and some of that's going to be more down the road like he'll be watching a lot more kid-friendly things in a few years but yeah there's a a lot of different things that go into that but i kind of package it into one thing the things that he does media wise and then also i guess he can throw video games like you said in there too that's going to rock his world, by the way. It is. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I go back to my dad's wisdom here for my numbers three, two, and one. But at number three, uh, my dad said living vicariously. You know, it's one thing to imagine taking, you know, the at-bat of your favorite baseball player, sinking a game-winning three. But my dad says Ben will learn to love living through his kid, you know, hearing about their experiences, hearing their stories, enjoying what they're doing like you're doing it yourself just seeing their joy their pain and really living through them and living it with them is a big difference no doubt all right to the top two here we go number two for me is just eating out if you want to go out to eat with the family again it's just getting everything together where are you going to go are you cognizant if the baby starts crying are you, are you bothering other people around you that are trying to eat and have a quiet dinner it is just a fiasco to try to win there between Zero in about six or nine months. You're just you're always on alert. You really can't enjoy your meal. So eating out for the next nine months is going to be a challenge for the McLaughlin. Well, we talked about this, Victoria and I did just the other day. It wasn't even related to this that we were trying to remember how many times we actually went out to eat before the, all the COVID-19 stuff started taking place. And we think it was just one or two times that, that we could remember where we actually went out to eat with with him. So, yeah, that's we haven't even hardly had to deal with that very much yet. But uh, my it, number just, two is it, kind you of... Know, it's, it's just so rough. Sorry, Josh. It's just so rough yeah. because, you, you know, you sit down to eat and then the baby gets fussy and needs to be changed. And so your food's here and you got, one of you has got to go to the bathroom and change a diaper until so your food gets cold. And it's just, it's a whole fiasco. Well, we actually experienced that just the other night. We, you know, we make meals every once in a while here at home, actual, you know, sit down at the table and eat kind of meal where we eat together. And we, you know, we made a nice meal the other night and had it all ready to go. And he, Franklin was down for a nap, but then he wakes up. He woke up like five minutes into his nap and we're like, oh, come on. We were just ready to start eating. <laughs> yep. So it even happens when you're not out at a restaurant. My number two, though, is kind of similar to what we've been talking about in some ways, some of the things you've talked about, Greg. It takes a lot longer to go places, like to get ready to go places. Like you said, you're not just going to jump out the door and get there in five minutes. And the other thing, too, is you won't stay those places as long. The, you know, we, you will go visit somewhere, and if he has to go to sleep, you're going to leave. You're not going to wait around and let him fall apart or let him or her fall apart and, you know, start getting crabby. You, you're going to leave so he can take a nap in the car. Yep. It changes all the schedules. Oh, yeah. It does. 
All right, number two, the number two change uh, on my list slash my dad's list is just an appreciation of kids in general. Maybe you already like them, um, but there's something about having your own, according to my dad, and just seeing them on a daily basis that makes you appreciate how kids work, you know, how they think, all, all they're about, you know, what, what is a kid? How does a kid function? You just grow to, you know, appreciate them, how they function, and just, you know, they, they're endearing after a while. They, yeah. And they change so much. Right. That's what I was going to say. I would echo that because I like love kids and you know i have a lot of nieces and nephews and have worked with kids throughout the years but having one of your own just makes you appreciate them that much more that's a really good one and josh at your at your age the stage you're in with is what five months now six five yeah a little over four months now yeah how much they change on a daily basis i mean one day they're like their nose changes and then their ears will change Uh you're like wow that's different than even a couple of days ago it's amazing how much the the body can configures change when they're that young. All right, the number one thing that's going to change for Ben McLaughlin, Austin had it earlier, but for me, it's sleep. We had Evan Bland on last night. He just recently had a child, and he says, when they sleep, you better sleep. You better get to sleep when they're down because you, you're, you're just going to be a wreck and all. It's, it is tough finding your pattern when you have a newborn in the house. Yep, I echo you, Greg. That's my number one as well. It's it's less sleep, but it's also yeah, sleeping at weird times. You yeah. you take advantage when you can sleep, whether it's two in the morning or two in the afternoon. If if he's sleeping and you're tired, you better get some sleep while he's he's sleeping. All right, top on my list slash my dad's list is the perception of time. You know, days will drag on, years will fly by. There'll be days you just, you know, you can't wait to get to the nap. You want your alone time. That's really all you can think about. But then you'll close your eyes for five minutes and five years will have flown by is what my dad said. So Ben's perception of time is about to change drastically. I I can attest to that. Yeah, no doubt. We had a, a... work baby shower for Ben on Zoom the other day, and that was my advice to him. Take it, you know, take in all the moments that you can because all of a sudden you're going to be years into your baby, be, you know, being born, and you're, it's going to seem like it just flew by. Yeah, no doubt. All right, those are our top ten thing, ways Ben McLaughlin's life's going to change after this new uh, arrival of their family here in the next 24 hours. A couple of minutes left in this hour of Sports Only. Josh referenced SNBL in the last segment. This is the last week of the regular season on SNBL, and boy, have the pennant races tightened up with about 10 games to go, 10 or 11 games to go. My lead's down to a game and a half over the Farmers, which is the fans' team, and your lead over the Lions, I think it's two and a half games. Yeah, it might even be down to two games. I can't remember for sure, but yeah, it's two or two and a half. And both you and I were sitting pretty comfortably. It felt like for you know at the end of last week and coming into this week, but then after today's games, all of a sudden it's really tightened up. And I thought that we were both you know shoe ins to get in as the you know the top seeds in each league. But right now I'm kind of holding my breath going into the last three days of this thing. Both your team, the Mammoths, and my team, the Harriers have hit the 100 win mark uh, with the 10 or 12 games left to go. And there's a couple other teams that have a chance to get there as well. The Farmers can get to 100. The Lions can get to 100. Austin, how far are you from 100? You can still get there, right? You can, you can get to 100. I would have to go, I believe, 8-7 and seven over my last 15. So if I play 500 ball, I get there. Yeah, you should. I don't, think, I don't think the Outlaws are going to get to 100. Uh, but we could still have uh, – that would be that would be – five teams that make 100 wins on the season. We do have a lot of fun. Again, it's every morning, 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday. We go about two hours, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. We uh, stream three games. Love to have you come in. There's a chat room. You can sit in there and 
we kick around all kinds of topics. We get into some crazy stuff. So come join us on SNBL tomorrow. It'll be Austin and, and Josh uh, hosting your way through that. And, again, the regular season will end on Friday, and we'll start our playoffs on Monday, which is we're going to run it up pretty close to the 4th of July, which should get you really yeah. close if this baseball thing can get taken care of and the real stuff can get going in mid-July. That's the hope is that we – are able to take our playoffs up until the start of real major league baseball, or at least close to it. But yeah, it's getting exciting. You should come and join us as we jump into the, or as we end the regular season and jump into the playoffs next week. A lot of us were calling it at the all-star break that look out for the farmers, the fans team and the lions, Nate's team. And that's proven to be true. They have both caught fire sure and really pushing us at the end and look like the hottest teams in the league here in the last week, but it's been a lot of fun. We certainly appreciated Dorothy Lynch being our title sponsor for SNBL uh, throughout this season, which started for us back in April. Good hour, fun topic with Ben and some good stuff to hear from John Cook about his thoughts about 20 conference games and maybe do what you can do for the non-conference, at least keep it within driving, busing distance. Still trying to work out how many fans are going to be able to get into the Vandy Center to watch Husker Volleyball here this fall. That's still a work in progress, as they say. That's another hour in the books here on Sports Island.